Demons Discuss, Take 6, The One with the Most Exquisite Creatures. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are the Demons, also your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie, and with me is Jean and Angela. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Hey there. And good whatever time of the day it is for you guys when you hit, decide to hit play. Um, today, we are talking about demons, a.k.a. the most exquisite creatures. Let's run right into emails, I think. Um, we sent out an email to our discussers, and we're going to run around the table because we asked them what their thoughts were about demons. So Angela, we're going to start with you. Okay. My email is from Alyssa. She says, demons are really interesting to me as creatures in the All Souls trilogy as they are so significantly different than any other versions of demons I've come across in pop culture. The three that I'm most familiar with are the demons in Supernatural, Buffy and Angel, and in Kelly Armstrong's Women of the Other World series. In all those series, demons are from hell and are usually evil and tend to have magical powers stemming from their connection to the devil. Kelly Armstrong's series is unique in that her half-demons have one specific power like telekinesis, depending on what other type of demon their father was, kind of like the X-Men. I think I was expecting something similar with Deb's demons, for them to have some sort of supernatural gift in some way. It was certainly new to me to not only have these creatures be far from evil, but not even have supernatural origin at all, so to speak, seeing as they have human parents. Shout out, Alyssa. Thank you. Mine's for Michelle. In Adal, I love the passage about where Matthew gives Hamish the birthday present of the brain scan, and I think it would be nice to explore that more. How much differently do demon brains work from humans, vampires, and witches? Thank you, Michelle. Interesting. Shout out, Michelle. And uh, mine's from Laura. When I think of demons, the first thing that comes to mind is geniuses that are bursting with creativity. Their creative energy can sort of go dark like Christopher Marlowe's jealousy or go positive with Hamish saving the world's economy. And thank you, Laura. Thanks. So let's uh, dive right into it, shall we? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jean. Sure. I I think it's probably appropriate to start out with a few words from Deb about describing her her demons. Few seem to understand the creatures, and Sarah had never been able to answer my questions about them. Based on her accounts, demons constituted a criminal underclass. Their superabundance of cleverness and creativity led them to lie, steal, cheat, and even kill because they felt they could get away with it. Even more troublesome, as far as Sarah was concerned, were the conditions of their birth There was no telling when or where a demon would crop up, since they were typically born to human parents. They've been described as creative artistic creatures who walk a tightrope between madness and genius. Rock stars and serial killers was how my aunt described these strange, perplexing creatures. When a demon takes a look, I feel the slight, unnerving pressure of a kiss. And that's how we were introduced to Deb's demons. I I was always curious about it being a kiss. Yeah, the nudging, the nudging sensation. And then she's like, kind of like a kiss. I'm nudging. I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) I think that was the the first sign to me that these demons don't mean any harm. Right. Sort of set the stage in that respect. That's true. And I, I always wondered about them. I'm like, okay, demons, until we got into, um, Hamish and Agatha, as far as their, you know, their laments about their place in the world. And um, it wasn't until maybe later in the book where we kind of got a sense that maybe they were closely related to witches because they could have visions and such. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, they I think it was really interesting that Deb went with classic, classical mythology rather than the Judeo-Christian view of demons, first and foremost. I mean, 
Absolutely. Now, what, going into the story, I mean, of course, the only demons I ever heard of were the evil type. And then hearing about them as a class or another subset in Adow, I really didn't think anything of it. I didn't have a hard time separating, oh, these are evil, or I didn't think that they were going to be evil. I was actually more worried about Matthew being harmful than demons. Um, but yeah, to to have them linked to the classical mythology, finding that out, that sheds a whole new light on it. I have, a, have you guys ever heard that version of demons before? Because honestly, Deb was my first introduction to it. Yes. Mine too. Yep. Mine too. I had never heard of it before. I always thought demons as what, you know, Christians thought were evil uh, doers for the devil, supposedly. Minions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the demons are going to come get you. Um, Can we recap for our listeners what that classical mythology reference is? Sure. I mean, the demons that Deb has t- taken her inspiration from, it, w- one of the neat things about them is they really are an unseen presence. They don't have a physical appearance. They, they, they're, they're not horned. They're not an angel. No. They're not anything. They're, they're, they're incorporeal spirit guide. Right. And they're inspirational. That was the other thing I thought was wonderful about them was that they were spirits of creativity and they're benevolent they're not mm-hmm. malicious they're not fallen they're not you know where you find in christian christianity they're they're benevolent benign beings right there was nothing malignant about them Un- unlike the the christian sense of uh demons yeah. and the interesting thing is too is they were also associated with dionysus gotta like that oh i know they, they got the first libation <laughs> explain oh explain basically non-christian explain to this non non libation worshiper of Dionysus Dionysus was a god of wine and well it was it was like when Philippe was up at the temple you there was a certain ceremony you'd go through to honor the god and one of the things would be you dump the first sip of wine onto the ground for 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 the demons or the god yeah and (laughs) this one's for my dead homies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not not entirely inaccurate. No. <laughs> but I, that's what know, it reminds I, me of. I would venture a guess that you know, the whole going to a grave and sharing a beer with your uh, dead homie <laughs> in some ways probably traces all the way back to that. Sure, shrines, memorials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Household, household, ugh, the household gods. Now, do we really want to even give a lot of time to the awful negative christian christian view of demons well it doesn't really play into the story but i think everyone has that pretty much understanding that that's what it is typical ones are yeah well there was one thing about it uh that i thought was interesting is uh when you look at the sources of demons in the bible and yes i looked this all up because we all know what my religious training consisted of thanks to vatican ii (laughs) um the, the demons in Enoch were connected to the Nephilim. And that story, the story of the Nephilim and the mating with human women is really similar to the Antinoi in the Book of Life. You know, they they, they birth, uh, fornicated with women and birthed giants as tall as 300 cubits. And it was the a source Antinoi. of sorrow and sadness on earth. That, that's a Nephilim. You know what? I've heard... Now that we're talking about it, and we brought this up before, I've heard of the Antinoi before. Only, and I'm going to bring up Twilight again, mm-hmm. they brought it up when Bella was looking, when she was trying to figure out what the hell Edward was. The Antinoi did come up in that. And yeah, it was a similar, her description was a similar description of what you just described. So, Yeah, and uh, the other interesting thing about the Antinoi is it was also uh a word used to describe the royal guard of the Persian emperor, and they called them the Antinoi because they were always a thousand. You'd kill one, and another one would pop up in their place, and that that all ties into the whole un, you know unkillable concept of the Antinoi as well. Huh. So there you go. Yeah, I know. And leave it to the Catholics; they were the ones who who connected demons and. Demons and the Devil, the Devil, capital D. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. They they felt the need for for the 
straight linear good and evil type of thing. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know why, but maybe maybe it was more for control. I think maybe it was to. Do you think some of it could have been because it was a way to easily explain to an illiterate congregation, make things simple? It's a lot easier I think to so. explain black and white than shades of gray. Yeah, shades of gray are much more nuanced and much more um, um, androgynous, where the concept of black and white and good and evil is much easier for somebody coming in and saying, okay, don't do that because it is evil and mm-hmm. this will happen to you. And here are the consequences. Yeah. I definitely think that, but yeah, I always wonder why, why people tend to go either one extreme to another extreme versus the shades of gray in between. So I don't know. That was just curious. Yeah. One of the things that I, I'm curious, well, not curious about, but kind of upset about is how demons in this trilogy are just depicted as second class citizens pretty much the whole way through. I, I think that's in some part to Sarah because Diana reiterates what she knows about them or what she's been told about them. And immediately, I think even myself in the beginning, I was biased because that's how they're described. And who, el- who else counters that? Nobody. Well, that's how bias begins. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was done on purpose for Deb. She, put the bias in there. So, I mean, and with all of our characters, when we're reading via Diana, we're like, okay, she's saying this, so it must be true. And Deb automatically planted that bias in your head. Sure. Oh, I was going to say even Agatha to a certain extent was kind of airy. Yes. Because she was kind of in two worlds. She's like, she was viewing things that she's she's like and i see your vampire and i see him there meanwhile she's kind of in this world trying to relay it to diana what it is she's seeing she Mm -hmm. had visions she was one of those visionary ones and so by the time we got to hamish he kind of blew the stereotype out of the water where his intensity was very different and his his, his gift was not i mean his gift was logic is what it was i think yeah Unfortunately, though, you look at him as an exception instead of the rule. Because this we, is true. You know, you, cause until later, you don't see any more, you know, brilliant ones. Um, you just see that, you know, Timothy, who's listening, has earbuds in his ears and doesn't have, is not connected to anything. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. kind of your, your bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until we meet Nathaniel. And um, Sophie kind of explains it, where she's like, yeah, Nathaniel, he... Oh, when Hamish walks in, he's like, oh, he's like Nathaniel. He's very, you know, focused. Mm-hmm. I forgot her exact words, but she she made uh, um, categories in which demons fell. So that was good at the end of uh, a discovery, which is... I can yeah. see the bias because it, it was intentional, but I think sometimes I hear perceptions that I go a little far you know, that the demons in general can't get anything done, that they're scatterbrained, that they're... Um, serial you know, killers. Serial killers, burnouts, you know, nothing, yeah, no good that, no good qualities. Yeah, and what was interesting is the buzzword serial rock stars and serial killers. We never did get see a serial killer demon through the whole trilogy, to be honest. And funny... It's funny how you can forgive all the killing vampires do, but if a demon does it, you know, oh my gosh, they're a serial killer. Or the the other question becomes, was was that an early foreshadowing of the connection between demon blood and blood rage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, now, I think that would definitely be something you could look back and say, that was foreshadowing. That was because otherwise it's just a gratuitous remark. True. I don't think, I think the closest we came to somebody who was really bent in the head was... Uh, uh, Edward Kelly, Edward Kelly in right. Shadow of Night, where he, he pretty much, especially when he had the Book of Life and he's tearing out pages and talking crazy and, you know, well, crazy to us, but he was making himself sense to himself. So, Right. Well, I think he falls in the category of demons who would do stuff because they figured they could get away with it. Because he was kind of a con man demon, if you think about it. Yeah, a little bit of a thief, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think my perception of demons, how it relates 
relates to the real world is um, when I was trying to figure out how to categorize them in my head, um, I think I heard some people say, oh, they were burnouts, they were whatever. But what my perception was, was maybe they were on the spectrum. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like, People, I, I have a friend, she's brilliant, but she, she's got Asperger's and so she won't connect to you by the, but she's just brilliant. The things that comes out of her mouth and she's thought about it and yeah, she, socially she's a little off, but mm -hmm. you know, but she has a perception of the world that is so uncanny. So I, that's what I kind of related it to. I mean, what was your you guys' perception besides Sarah? To, to me, when we first met Timothy, I, I I thought he was like the crazy, brilliant inventor. Yeah, you know, who's who's always got a million ideas going through his head, which is why you've got the one one red boot, one blue boot, and, and the earbuds aren't plugged in. And he decided to take apart the microfiche machine for the fun of it. I mean, right? I've got some brilliant friends like that who probably are on on one end of the spectrum who you know they're the brilliant engineers who have to take apart everything even the controls in the car as you're sitting there driving somewhere <laughs> that, to me that's that's kind of demonic in your everyday life you know i'm going to take apart something and figure out how it works right now that's what my father had to hide his power tools because once i figured out how to use a phillips head screwdriver i used to take shit apart constantly mm-hmm but <laughs> so he bought me science kits. <laughs> I was a weird kid. Don't mind me. <laughs> you were MacGyver. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we'll go into that probably in another episode. Um, one, <laughs> one of our discussers talked about um, the uh, Myers-Briggs. Uh, I think that was Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. She brought up the Myers-Briggs personality type and, yeah, I fall right into that personality type where I see something and if I'm fascinated by it, I want to know everything about it. That's yeah, a little bit, a little bit weird like that, <laughs> which explains my obsession with coding and figuring ah, out how stuff works. <laughs> good correlation. I never, I never connected that until now. Yeah, yeah. but you're you're a Timothy. You like to take things apart and figure it out. Only you dress better. I dress better, and I'm not a hoarder like he is. Hamish gave me a better understanding of demons, uh, obviously in a positive light. But I really didn't think that much about them in a discovery of witches, just because they always seem to be cast aside, purposely cast aside and forgotten about. And I was admittedly interested in the vampire story of it. So. It wasn't until Shadow of Night. Vampires too. I mean, we kept, we got a lot of FaceTime with Marcus and and Miriam, and of course Matthew, and and then of course Hamish pops up at the end all, again, and he's almost mm -hmm. he's almost not welcome. He wasn't supposed to be part of that party. It was like, what are you doing, bringing this stuff to me? Do you think Isabel sent him? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah, because that was my impression that Isabel said, you know, go over there and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Which she would be able to do with him holding the p position he did in the, the KOL, so. But, yeah, this is true. But Hamish was a, a surprise character for Deb to write, so it's interesting that he became so important, like you said, popped up at the end, and really, um, he, like you said, always the voice of reason, said things Diana did not want to hear yeah. about, you know, what's what's to come in 1590. And he tempered, he tempered the whole view of demons in a really interesting way because of what he set, the dichotomy he set up for when we meet Kit Marlowe. Yes, because for the most part, I think the only demon that we see in uh, Shadow of Night who isn't a little bit off is Tommy Harriet. Right. Because Edward Kelly is way out there. And, well, we'll talk about Kit's issues in a minute. But They all seemed very curious to me. Yes. All, all of them. They seemed very uh, interested in what was going on around them. Mm -hmm. They were very even, engaged. Yes. E even, even Which when is... Agatha was straddling the two, I mean, straddling the two worlds. She was still engaged. Yeah. Like, you know, and artists have to be observers. Mm -hmm. They have to sit back and watch life how, how, as it goes. I mean, that's a successful artist. The only one that seemed a little less engaged was Sophie to me. I mean, she was really breezy. Yeah, she yeah. was. 
Which is really interesting when you consider she was also an offspring of a weaver. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Was she an offspring of a weaver? Yeah, don't forget her dad was a weaver because of the knots that the the chess piece was wrapped up in the the special knots. That was another clue that he was a weaver. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, with the chess piece that was uh, passed down because I think uh, part of the whole weaving thing comes up with Jeffrey, the son of Susanna. Right. Right. She dismisses it as him being in the Navy, but yeah, it's a clue. Yeah, it was a clue. Deb, I believe Deb did confirm it at one point in time. Book of Life came out. Oh, that's good to know. It kind of uh, clears up a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wa- it makes me wonder why Sona was different. I mean, she had a, she was a little bit different flavor of a demon to me. But she was also one that was carrying a witch. I mean, so she was obviously I don't know different in that respect too. True. I could have been interfering. <laughs> <laughs> carrying her witch, you know. You know how you are when you're pregnant, Angela. You know? <laughs> you're not quite right anyway. So. <laughs> so, so is this like a creature version of craving pickles and peanut butter? It's yeah. pre- and pregnancy brain is not, not uh, a myth. It's real. <laughs> it's, it's not even logical. <laughs> it's not even logical. Sometimes, sometimes you're totally sharp and then sometimes you're just like, so I don't know. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> Sounds like menopause brain to me. <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, Seems like demons, though, they have, sometimes it's not always gifts that they can cultivate. You know, for instance, Agatha had the visions and Sophie, you know, making her jugs. Um, it was something that was kind of bestowed upon her Other versus, you know, like a, Christopher Marlowe, who cultivated his writing, or a, a Tom Harriet, who pursued astronomy. Camish, who, pursu- who pursued economics and God knows what else. Right. A variety of gifts. That's, well, yeah, and Hamish seemed to be a dabbler of everything. I mean... A polyglot, he, I think, he, is the word. He, he, loved, he loved his art. He loved... I mean, when they describe his lodge, he's just into the fancy and wonderful and And you know how Matthew's yeah put together and yeah except you know Matthew Matthew is very simple so that's why that whole walking into his house kind of offended Matthew a little bit his sensibilities while Hamish just loved the fascinating like they mentioned his gardens and I think we have a picture of Deb's inspiration on Pinterest Mm -hmm. um of the sprawling beautiful gardens that that um that house has so did did hamish strike you as flamboyant no no See, that was the thing i mean he had all these flamboyant accoutrements but he never struck me as a flamboyant he had no. the, the very busy elaborate hunting folly and the the tiered gardens and he was always very precise in his dress and his uh holding court at uh was it the Connaught? I can't remember now. But the the once yeah, the Connaught. Yeah, with the restaurant and the Battenberg cake. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 to me in a way that all says flamboyant, but his character his actual character was anything but. He was very solid and Well, I mean you have to think about the uh, profession he was in too. So like to one face to one set of people, he had to present a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But when he got home, that's why he loved his hunting lodge. He got home and got to indulge his flamboyant things there. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. He got to go home and, and feel at home because look at all these beautiful things. And, <laughs> you know. His and closet even, wine. <laughs> yeah. And even, um, you know, when he was, he, he bought that Jeep that he was driving around during, for the hunting he he found the Jeep hilarious and ridiculously masculine. That's why yeah. he bought it. It was very butch. So, yeah. <laughs> so. It was a really butch Jeep. Yeah. And that's why he thought it was hilarious because it's not it, like it him. It didn't go with everything else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I I totally related to Hamish I, because I, I'm I like very much. I like people on, his, on their toes. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm very much a dichotomy like that too. Mm-hmm. I'm very girly in a lot of respects, but a lot of things that fascinate me are quote unquote so called masculine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So exactly. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing, and that's why you know I was always called a tomboy growing up. I'm like 
I play with Barbies, but they're scientists. Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I play with Barbies, but mine are mercenaries. So there. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. I found it interesting that demons didn't find out or realize that they were demons until much late, not much later, but you know, later in life. So 10 years, maybe 15 years into their life. And I thought, wow, that, that, that would be like waking up and winning, winning the lottery. Like Hamish says. Yeah. Or or the worst puberty ever. (laughs) Oh my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a non-demon parent (laughs) being faced with that? Oh my Lord. I don't know. I think I have demon kids. So yeah, I I get it. I I think I've heard that from every parent at some state point. (laughs) their child's existence yeah i think both my kids are demons in a lot of respect and that's an ae demon not an e demon yeah 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 (laughs) ae demon i don't know that that was that was really uh (laughs) negotiable (laughs) when we were young when they were young i was kind of wondering but no definitely um one of them's in theater and the other one is seriously into gaming and creativity and creativity and audiovisual and graphic design. And so there you go. That explains a lot. <laughs> How does Robert figure into all this? I can see where both, both of your kids get some part of their brain wiring from you. It's a weird dichotomy because they're both military brats. So a lot of their life was very structured. It had to be because both of us working in the military, they had to be very structured. But as soon as they could break out of that structure, both of them went into creative field. So Robert, ah, bless him. He puts up with all three of us. <laughs> Is he the grounding force in the Grindel family? Ah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> he is He is that. The thing I'm dying to talk about is Kit. Oh, I love yes. Kit. In a love really odd way. Mostly because I think he's an object lesson. Yes. And mostly, Kit. I think uh, I think a lot of a lot of abuse is heaped on him, and there there's a lot of knee jerk judgment about him that well, yeah, upsets me. The more the, after many, I mean, of course, I I had the initial, oh God, he's he's bitter and he's bitchy and she's just gonna be the hot mess, and he kind of was, but but who isn't bitter and bitchy when they're jealous? Exactly. And like you it, said, though, it was a it was a good departure from Hamish and Adow, and then you really got the same thing, the, the flip side from Kit in the beginning of Shadow of Night. Yeah. So it wasn't. It's not too different, really. No, I mean, I think no. they're equally brilliant, and but for the the frustration of the unrequited love, I think they're. But a especially, lot especially yeah. how how Deb explained it. You know, people were leery of Hamish and his motives, and telling Diana, and she said, "Look, how would you feel if your best friend um, of years brought around this woman?" who he's known for 40 days and his whole life is going to change. How would you react? Yeah. And the same thing goes for Kit bringing Matthew or Diana back to 1590. Yeah. And saying, Hey, um, this is my wife. I just, right. And she's a witch and she's a problem. And it, it, it's, it was just like, I mean, in a way it was like, like when she, he brought her home to Isabel. Only, only difference was, is a, a mother's love is different than, I don't know what it, whether I want to call it. Kid is kind of it, it's platonic, but a lover's kind of love. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to get the same sort of forgiveness and rational thinking that you might get with a mother. Another thing jarring, probably for Kit, was he really thought he knew Matthew, and Matthew at the time did not think very highly of which. So he's like, "Do I even know you? What the hell's going on? Somebody's you know taking his brain and." wrecked it and and that comes into play when we see later with Louisa it's like she casts a spell on him she she did something to him this is not the Matthew I know so it, it makes sense in that way oh yeah yeah and and it's, and I love how Deb took the creations of the so, I mean when you look at Marlowe's writing some of them all right maybe I've read this series way too many times but some of them do sound like Things that were written for Matthew. There's there's lines in Faustus. There's some of his poetry. It's like, it's heartbreaking is what it is when you put it in the context mm-hmm. of this trilogy. Unrequited love is powerful. Very. And very powerful. And I... Throw some obsession I'd, into that mix and it gets scary. I'd like to think that 
most of us have gone through that mm-hmm. and would have some could empathize. empathize. Yeah. And, and could see that, yeah, when someone you love and someone you thought maybe you had a shot at all of a sudden shows up with somebody else, you get obsessive, you get stupid, maybe not as, not now as adults, but yeah. remember you as a teenager how you would get and all of a sudden that person that other it's person becomes world. yeah that other person becomes number one on your enemies list mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or so it takes up all of your focus yeah um and the other thing is too is we have you have to remember that they, they were all quite young i mean i think kit would have probably been in his early 20s because he was mm-hmm. maybe late 20s because he was dead b- before he was 30 right so yeah probably late 20s I mean, these people aren't all that old. Well, except for Matthew, but that's for entirely different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that came up in discussions, in in discussion groups probably a a while ago, was Deb fleshed out for us a connection between demon DNA and mental illness and blood rage, which was really quite interesting especially the mental illness connection with the demon dna and i think that Dang. also plays that also plays in with uh, you, how we were talking about asperger's and being on the spectrum and talking yeah. about mm-hmm. kit and his uh i mean it, it was almost his obsessive love it was almost like ocd yeah i was gonna uh, ocd and maybe a little aht you know add yeah. or ADHD is what they call it now, but when I was a kid, they called it ADD. I think um, Matthew's a little ADD too, <laughs> <laughs> which would explain later when <laughs> they said he was part demon. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's a, that's another interesting thing is it, it takes demon the demon DNA actually ends up being quite special. Maybe not necessarily in the best way when it comes to blood rage, but it's at the crux of a lot of matters. Yeah, definitely, I was always fascinated with Matthew. In fact, I definitely thought he was a, a demon just because he was precocious. And then I read, reread the passage where when he's being uh, made by Isabeau, she says he was a human that took to blood or he would, she'd have a problem with it. So she said human. So obviously I knew he wasn't a demon, but I was, you always kind of wondered in the back of your mind, why, well, why was he so precocious and demon-like and forgiving of demons and having a penchant for demons? Mm-hmm. And drawn is, to them. Oh, well, now demons always follow Diana too. Maybe they saw a part of themselves in her. Maybe they sensed Ooh. the weaver in her. Well, maybe the weaver or maybe the demon in her. Yeah, I was going to say, been, I, did we, I can't remember if we got all the way to the connection that the weaver, there was demon DNA, demon DNA involved in the weaver. Well, not in this episode, but we've always talked yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, it. that's been our theory, I guess. Well, well yeah. And, and the, in the end, I just thought that was brilliant. It made it tied everything up so neatly, and mm-hmm. you can tell that was her plan the whole way. Looking back at it, yeah, you know, hindsight I, being twenty twenty, it was like, ah, God, it's it was a horse, not a zebra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is true. Well, here's a question. I mean, we've ran across a lot of historical figures as we've gotten through this trilogy. I mean, who else has struck you as maybe having some demon blood? I, well, here's, here's another thing. Gerbert certainly had a predilection for demons as did Domenico. Domenico had that demon girlfriend in, uh, book of life, hmm. which makes, I've always had my thoughts about Domenico and perhaps him being more similar to Matthew than he'd care to admit. I always thought that was, Maybe because, you know, in mating selection, uh, if you're going to go into Darwinism, you tend to seek out like uh, seeks like something to advance. Well, like seeks like or like seeks opposite to maybe advance the species. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I always thought maybe something, maybe with something to do with that, maybe like if. Gerber was fascinated with demons or Domenico was fascinated mm-hmm. with demons. Maybe they didn't know why they were drawn to them. Maybe that was just some Darwinism flying in there where it's like, hey, we're going to advance this species and that, this is what's going to happen. You know, I don't know. Well, it, and going back to Domenico again, his his um, close friendship, shall we say, with Louisa who, of course, we find out after uh-huh. the fact has probably got even more demon blood in her than Matthew does, given yeah. how, how far far off the Crazy. reels she gets. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's something there that I hope Deb will flesh out in the future with Domenico because he is a, he was a character that fascinated me and discovery of witches and then we when we came back to him in the book of life it was too short and certainly not enough in depth it was more questions than answers to me right and he didn't seem like the badass she made him out to be in the discovery of witches so i'm just perplexed yeah maybe i maybe she couldn't get to that like i said before you know the fourth book wouldn't have heard anything i agree But, you know, that's what happens when you say, hey, I'm going to do a trilogy and you don't you don't want to write a 800, 900. I think her, I think her editor <laughs> didn't want her to write a 900 page, <laughs> page wow. book. I would have read it. <laughs> I, I would have, too. But she always described her writing journey as not knowing what the destination is, but not knowing how she was going to get there. So kind of using that analogy, you know, you want to go from New York to California and you plan to stop in all the Colorado and the Grand Canyon. And sometimes you just don't have time. You got to bypass it, even though <laughs> you told everyone you were going to. You can't see that big old twine ball. Right. Stand in four corners and drink a beer in four states. Right. Or you're not going to stop by Lynchburg, Tennessee, and visit the Jack Daniels Distillery, and yeah. <laughs> we don't have time. No museum on this itinerary. <laughs> no, <laughs> no Mall of America's either. Sorry. Uh, I think they're both in Minneapolis too. Come to think of it, but Prince's House will never. Yeah. Uh, the Paisley Park will never be taken off the itinerary. No, we will stop. Damn it. Speaking of demons. Yep. Who has impressed me as being a demon? Um, besides Prince. We know that's your answer. Right? Besides, besides Prince, because we know that's true. Um, Steve Jobs. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. He was probably more of a kid-type demon because he was sort of surly. Yeah, very. Uh, well, and a Hamish-type demon. True. Maybe. Um, but he would get obsessive. Albert Einstein. That, Albert Einstein. Yes. Um... He was kind of a Timothy demon in a way, Albert Einstein. Yeah. But who today? Hmm. Angela, any ideas? I'm just trying to think of someone who has, you know, musical gift, like, you know, Itzhak Perlman or Yo-Yo Ma. I mean, I don't know that that's, it's not, you know, something intellectual, but anyone with an intense musical gift too, I I picture as a demon. And I can't really think of many composers, modern day composers, Living composers, I should should say, that would necessarily fit that bill. Right. Um, they don't see, they don't seem to be as revered and well known as they were back in the day, too. But no, there's certainly not a Mozart or no. um, well, today. I think Mozart was a demon, but I think it would present itself differently today. Like yes. the dude who did uh, Hamilton, totally. Oh, demon. oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who picks up a Hamilton biography and goes, you know what? All of a sudden, all these raps started jumping out at me. Yeah, I mean, he he started rapping to the book basically, (laughs) which is amazing. Tupac. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, yep. He may be a rapper, Ah. but it was pure poetry. Well, remember when Straight Outta Compton came out too? We swore they were all demons. Yeah, Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, and Cube, and Easy E. Not Jay Mm -hmm. Jay Z's not a demon. No. No. Mm <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I could see any DeFranco being a demon. Yeah, sometimes or Leonard Cohen was definitely a demon. Well, oh, R.I.P. Yeah, that made Jean sad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make Jean sad. <laughs> well, t- 2016 has made us yes. sad. <laughs> In that respect, to David Bowie was David another Bowie. demon because right. everything, everything. Yeah. He, did was incredibly creative and he was so creative in so many fields you don't see nearly as many patty smith is another one who's creative in many fields probably even more so than franco i think i mean Mm. with her poetry jerry Jerry bruckheimer yeah more more so jerry bruckheimer than um oh god who's the other one i'm thinking of i feel like creativity is gonna spike here soon it has to well josh i mean oh oh, what josh weedman Oh, Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, after the recent election, we won't go into it. But I feel like a lot of people will have a lot of creative things to say. I do, too. In different ways. People need an outlet and a positive outlet, and I think you're totally right. I'm a hopeful outlet. Yes. We'll see a spike. We will definitely see a spike because uh, 
I think people uh, were too complacent for a while. They thought everything was life, and that's that. In my opinion, kind of explains the lack of musical genius that's happened in the last te- decade. Yeah, I would agree. So. I mean, to go all the way back to the founding of our country, I mean, those founding fathers and the patriots, they took matters into their own hands, you know, and th- look at, th- they were demons, I was th- for sure. Ben <laughs> Franklin, maybe? Yes. Yeah. 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 Because he, he seemed to have the many, many, him and um, Thomas Jefferson, I would say, were the two demons in that bunch. Although Matthew yes. would disagree about yeah. Thomas Jefferson, I think. I, he would. He said he was too full of, or always full of words. Didn't sound to... Yeah value those words well i'm just i'm thinking of it from the perspective of he was interested in so many things i mean from Mm -hmm. being a vintner to inventing things to creating a university (laughs) busy guy but my, my point was that they took matters into their own hands they created something they didn't wait for someone else to do it and i think that's what people a lesson people have learned recently is it starts Mm -hmm. with yourself well be the change you know I hope uh, people start creating mini conventicles and, (laughs) and, you know, like I, like we were talking about, you know, if what you believe in is uh, community, helping out your community, maybe go out and help your community become a community with the people around you. Don't expect, you know, people to fix things for you. You have Mm -hmm. to fix it. And that was a big lesson with a conventicle. Hey, we're just going to, we're going to do this thing. We're going to protect our own. We're going to watch out for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to happen again. And I believe it will. Yeah. I do too. It's, it's going to start. It'll be in a, I, a million, million little ways. Yes. You can't not have hope. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> I mean, this is true. I mean, uh, we watched with, even with our own friend group, we watched a varied of emotions. Um, what else are you going to do? It's done. We're going to go out and create, and we're going to go out and talk to our neighbors and be kind. And what make else can you do? And make right. different friends. And, and make different friends and talk to different people. Yes. And probably be more open to different points of view. And, and, and so endeth the lesson. Guys. <laughs> Hang on, you guys help me down off of this freaking I was going to say, did you hear that? Did you hear the thud? <laughs> that was the pulpit. <laughs> don't don't drink him down from the pulpit there, Val. Oh, my God. Thank God I'm not drinking because I'd fall on my face. This is a pretty high soapbox I got myself on. <laughs> oh. It's all well, good. What do you want to do? It's all good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. We'll, be, we'll survive. We'll, we'll be okay. Demons. We have to. Absolutely. Why are we demons? Oh, yeah. Let me read that email first from Miss Allie. Okay. This is from Allie, one of our discussers, our yogini, our friend. Um, she says, hey, loves, I can't wait, li- wait to listen to the new podcast. I probably won't get to it till, until tomorrow, but I'm pumped. Waiting will be so hard. So, demons. Having been raised in a Christian home, demons were pretty much the only supernatural things that I told were that I was told were real. No witches, ghosts, vampires, etc. But the demons I was told about they were the devil's minions. Hey, we just talked about that. The ugly, conniving, evil creatures who possessed souls and did the devil's work. When I first started reading a discovery of witches, my first thought was demons with an A. Maybe they're not what I'm thinking of. Maybe it's not even pronounced the same. Well, one of those was correct. Deb's demons aren't at all what I had always been taught. They're fun, crazy, eclectic, and scatterbrained. I always think of Albert Einstein with his genius ideas and crazy hair. Like so many other things, this is just one more reason that I love Deb. Her characters challenge the idea of the norm, what we think something is. She always finds a way to turn it around and make it something so much better. Of course, with all of that said, every time I mention the demons, referring to you three, in front of my mom, her face clouds over and she starts going on the religious defensive. If only she read novels. Thanks, ladies. Can't wait to see what's next. Love, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Thank you. Oh, so, yeah, let's get into that story. Um, 
why we call ourselves the demons. I would like to start out that knowing the three of us like we do, we tend to go for the underdog, don't we? <laughs> Always. We, we, we are the underdog rooters. And so it's like demons, yes. But that's not how it started. It started in the discussion group when we were doing Armitage for Claremont and we first came out and we were hesitant to let people know who we were. We weren't, you know, having the jobs that we have and you don't want to be associated with a fan casting site if somebody Googles <laughs> your name. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if a juror decides to get online, even though they're instructed not to, and finds out one of the attorneys is also running a fangirl site, it's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing. So, uh, you know, we put up these links, and people, these links would show up, and people would ask, well, who did this website? Who did this? Who, who put this together? And our answer was always, demons. Yep. The demons did it. The demons did it, and we'd leave it at that. And we're like... I kind of like that. I like being known as the demons. So for the longest time, I'd say for a good three years before we actually came out of our demon closet, we were pretty much anonymous. We've only come out of our demon closet with demons discussed, really. I mean, to, to see our names on our cover photo and... It, yeah, I mean, before that, it was kind of an open secret in, in yeah, portions of the sure. fandom. But yeah, now our names... Our names are out there. I mean, our names are always on our website. If you dug deep enough, you could find out who we were, but we didn't put it out there by saying it all the time. And I mean, the demons sort of suits what we do. I mean, we have a million interests and a million, well, talents, I guess. And between the three of us, we're three different sorts of demons, like we discussed earlier. It all started, though, when you were building our very first website, we had called you the Doctor of Demonosity, and that's kind of a term we coined um, for the feverish activity and the genius and everything behind, you know, that. Yeah. And and to be fair, I when I, like, build a website and I get into the coding part and I get in, I have to shut everything out. And I think that's very demonic in a way. You're like you're like the elves and the shoemaker too, though, because we also call you the vampire demon because you have different opposite hours of us, basically. But we, I go to bed and I wake up to creations like the shoemaker does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I made this, this, and this. Okay, I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you guys when I wake yeah, up. I, I get, I, or do you, you wake up in the middle of the night with insomnia and you decide to look online and it's like, oh my lord, what is she doing now? You're right. I go a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. And you know, Angela, the way she searches into things and she amazes me. And then Jean, with uh, I can't even wrap my head around half the things you do, Jean. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'd be the most scared of the demons, I think. Cause I, my interests are all, all over the place all the time, and I'm, my brain's four steps ahead of where my mouth is half the time. Your mouth catches up eventually, I though. Just, I just think I'm probably the most scattered of the three of us, to tell you the truth. Angela's the most focused, I think. I don't know. Maybe. You do a better, you do a better <laughs> job of portraying that, we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when me and Jean start going on a fancy, like when we were going to launch this podcast and um, right before we uploaded it and Jean and I were all like, I'm kind of scared you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Angela was the one to come in and say, snap out of it. Cheer <laughs> <laughs> from uh, God, what's the name of that movie? Moonstruck. 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 I was going to say moonlight. Well, yeah. Put it this way. It's it's a curse and a blessing. I am very non-emotional. And sometimes I miss the cue of when I'm supposed to comfort somebody. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Yeah. I won't say I'm non-emotional, but I don't portray emotion. I, I tend to. Um, and But when I do it, boy, it comes out. So... <laughs> I'm the Scorpio. It is what it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it takes me and Angela to reel you back oh, yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I, I apologize every time. And I realize it as it's happening, as it spirals out of control every time. But it's too late. It's already out of your mouth. You can't reel it back. <laughs> All I can do is apologize and be sincere about it. <laughs> yeah. 
all you can do. All right, ladies, you want to wrap this up? We, we can yes. end it here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to us again. And we always want to hear from you. Give us a shout out. Absolutely. Tell us what you want, want us to look into, explore. Can't be more serious about that. I mean, we already have some great topics oh, that we're, we're going to explore. I know. 2017 is shaping up to be a good year, at least in the demon front. Good. Right. And that's all based on discusser feedback. Yeah. Thank you, discussers. Thank you. Um, we can, um, yeah, I'll touch on how you can become a discusser. But for now, I'm going to tell you all to listen and subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And I'm going to add something else. Look, we've been around for a while. You've been listening to us. We've been the voices in your head for a minute. If you like what you hear, how about logging into iTunes and rating, rating us? And how about leaving a good review? That would be great. That would help us get seen and help put gas in our tanks. And you know what? I'll read your review if it's great. I'll, I'll read it if it's bad. Be like, why do you hate us? But no, <laughs> I'll read it if it's great. Um, so, yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Um, leave comments in the show notes. There's a form there. And you can sign up to be a discusser while you're doing that. But I'll go deeper into becoming a discusser. Contact us on social media, Demons Discuss and Demons Domain. Visit demonsdiscuss.com. It takes you straight to our podcast page. And the form to be a discusser is there. It's a short form. All you need to do is add your name and your email address and send it in. And then you have to type in the code to prove that you're a human or a demon or a witch a or a vampire. A sentient creature. So, yeah. Fill out that form and you can become a discusser and you can send us your ideas. Like we've received so many ideas that the three of us have been talking about. I'm like, Oh my God, that's going to be a great episode. And it's like, but we don't have a whole lot of time to flush it out right now, but let's put it on the back burner for now. And of course, see everything we are up to at our home base. That is demonsdomain.com. You can see our posts. Uh, if you go to the master post list, you can see every single post we got going on there um master post list will list the current giveaways and send you to our podcast if you can't find it if you can't find it it'll send you uh, i have podcast links everywhere if you can't find the podcast link just look around you'll you'll find something click something it'll say podcast click it you'll get there um you can also email us directly if you can't be bothered by forums at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com and that's all i have for you Ready to end this episode, guys? Yes. Let's do it. You want to sing the song? Farewell. Like <laughs> song? <laughs> we didn't rehearse this. No, I'm kidding. Today I'm channeling Carol Burnett closing. The time has come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where she's sweeping? Yes. That's great. All right. Goodbye, Goodbye audience. Goodbye, audience, and thank you. Until next time. Until next time. Mwah. I love the kiss. Well, demons kiss. <laughs> they do. A nudging kiss. All right, we're going. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.